Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty. This week, I have a quick and dirty tip about formatting sentences that use the words not only, but also. A tidbit about the phrase to leave someone in the lurch. And a meaty middle about the origin of the names of the months. Let's get started with a quick and dirty tip. When not only is followed by but also, it's considered good form to make sure the parts that follow each set of words are formatted the same way. For example, this sentence is good because it uses two noun phrases. Aardvark is not only a great fisherman, but also a great friend. A great fisherman is a noun phrase, and it follows not only. And a great friend is a noun phrase, and it follows but also. But sometimes people write sentences like this, where the parts aren't parallel, and that can be called out as bad style. Aardvark is not only a great fisherman, but also works hard to be a good friend. A great fisherman follows not only and is a noun phrase, but works hard to be a good friend follows but also and is a verb phrase. Since one is a noun phrase and one is a verb phrase, they don't match grammatically, and that's why it's bad. If you really want to use a verb phrase, you can rewrite the first part to match like this. Aardvark not only excels at fishing, but also works hard to be a good friend. And that's your quick and dirty tip. Try to use parallel elements when you're writing a sentence that uses not only with but also. Next, have you ever been left in the lurch? If so, it probably didn't feel good. Well, let's talk about the phrase. Maybe your coworker resigned in the middle of a big project, leaving you to pick up the pieces. Or maybe your science fair partner was a slacker, leaving you to finish the entire display. Yep, you got left in the lurch. But what is a lurch, and can you leave someone there? Let's start at the beginning. The word lurch comes from a 16th century French game called l'orche. The specifics of the game have been lost, but we think it was a dice game, something like backgammon. In l'orche, if you fell far behind the other players, you were said to incur a lurch. The term was picked up and used in cribbage, which was born in the same era as l'orche. Cribbage is a card game, but players use a wooden board lined with holes to keep track of their scores. As players gain points, they move their pegs around the board, trying to be the first person to reach 61 points. If one person gets 61 before another player gets 31, guess what? The loser is lurched, and the winner scores two games instead of one. Boom. This sense of being left behind and badly defeated can be felt in the expression to leave in the lurch. It means to be abandoned in a difficult situation without support or succor. And listeners, that is just not nice. So there's your tidbit for today. Be kind to one another. Support your friends, family, and neighbors instead of leaving them in the lurch. That segment was written by Samantha Enslin, who runs Dragonfly Editorial. You can find her at dragonflyeditorial.com or on Twitter as dragonflyedit. And now, on to the names of the months. As with many words in English, the 12 words we use for the 12 months come from Latin. Strangely enough, though, the ancient Romans had only 10 months for a while. And over the centuries, other calendars have been introduced, evolving into the one we use today. 
Centuries ago, around 753 BC, it's believed that Romulus, the first king of Rome, invented the original pre-Julian Roman calendar, which was probably a lunar calendar, meaning it was based on the cycles of the moon. This calendar had 10 months, covering 304 days. The months were named Martius, Aprilis, Maius, Unius, Quintilis, Sextilis, September, October, November, and December. Now, the first four Roman months sound less familiar than the later ones, right? The names of Roman gods and goddesses figure into three of the four less familiar names. Martius was named for Mars, the god of war. Maius comes from Maya, the goddess who oversaw the growth of plants. And Unius comes from Juno, patroness of marriage and the well-being of women. Aprilis is the odd one out, likely coming from operir, the Latin word for open. Aprilis was so named because it's the month in which the buds begin to open on plants. Incidentally, another English word that comes from operir is aperture, which refers to a small opening, such as a hole or gap, like the aperture in a camera. The names of the last six months in the Roman calendar, Quintilus through December, seem strictly number-based. Quintilus starts with quint, meaning five, as in the word quintuplets, referring to five babies born at once. Likewise, sextilus relates to the number six, as in the word sextuplets. You won't be surprised to learn that the months September through December originate from the Latin septum, octo, novum, and decim, meaning the numbers 7 through 10, respectively. To recap, Martius became March, Aprilis turned into April, Maius is now May, and Unius became June. September through December are pretty clear. Together, those make up eight of the 12-month names, so there are four left. Up next are January and February, and we'll talk more about Quintilus and Sextilus, now July and August, in a minute. According to timeanddate.com, the 304-day Roman calendar was flawed because it didn't align with the seasons, and about 61 days were missing during the winter. To solve this, around 700 BC, King Numa Pompilius added 50 or 51 days to the calendar, adding two months at the beginning of the year. These were called Januarius and Februarius, our January and February. Januarius comes from Janus, the Roman god who protected gates and doorways. And the word Februarius originates with Februralia, a Roman festival of purification and atonement. If you've ever wondered why there's a silent R in the middle of the word February, you'll have the Latin februa, meaning to cleanse, to thank. Despite the addition of two months, the calendar still had problems. After the Romans made various failed attempts to align the calendar with the seasons, it was decided to add what was called the intercalary month. The high priest of the College of Pontiffs in ancient Rome otherwise known as the Pontifex Maximus, got to control when to insert this extra month. And this became a problem because a Pontifex Maximus could control the length of the year depending on his political agenda. Julius Caesar, who lived from 100 BC to 44 BC, began developing what was known as the Julian calendar in 46 BC. 
and he abolished the intercalary month. The Julian calendar was completed during the reign of Caesar's successor and grandnephew Augustus. The names Quintilus and Sextilus were changed to July and August, respectively, in honor of these two leaders, Julius Caesar for July and his grandnephew Augustus for August. The Julian calendar was in effect for centuries, but this isn't our calendar today. We use the Gregorian calendar, named after Pope Gregory VIII, who issued a papal bull about it in 1852. A papal bull is a letter or announcement from the Pope to the Catholic world. The Pope felt the Julian calendar had to be replaced because it didn't properly reflect the actual time it takes the Earth to circle once around the Sun, known as the tropical year. The Julian calendar had miscalculated the length of the solar year, and as a result, the calendar didn't coincide with the seasons, especially Easter, which the church wanted to schedule relative to the spring equinox. The solution was to chop out some days, quite a few, in fact. It took more than 300 years for all countries to adopt the Gregorian calendar, and the longer they waited, the more days they had to cut. For example, when Britain and its American colonies switched to the Gregorian calendar in 1752, they deleted 11 days, whereas Turkey, the last country to make the official switch in 1927, had to delete 13 days. The calendar we use today is quite accurate, but still not perfect. Experts calculate that come year 4909 on the Gregorian calendar, we'll be off again by a day. That's a long way off, so for now, just make sure to put in that silent R when you're spelling the word February. That segment was written by Bonnie Mills, author of The Curious Case of the Misplaced Modifier. And I'm Mignon Fogarty. The ebook version of the Grammar Devotional is still on sale for just $2.99, but I don't think that's going to last much longer. So order it today and you can have one little grammar tip for every day of the year. That's the Grammar Devotional. That's all. Thanks for listening.